Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Hey, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, this morning as we continue to move through this series on prayer. The Lord put Anna on my heart this morning for this morning because I think even though she's not well known and she's not spoken of much, very few verses on her, that she is truly an example of what we've been talking about and what we're trying to motivate our congregation to do because we know through prayer and we know through fasting that God is going to do so much we live in a world that's built on systems right we live in a world that's built on techniques if you're in the corporate world you understand that a little bit they have to be in place and same with the church the church has to have systems and the church has to have techniques in order to move ministry along but we don't become dependent on that That's the problem, I think, with churches today. We become so dependent on our own giftings and our abilities and the systems we put in place that we forget, man, without prayer and fasting, ain't nothing happening. And churches can look like they're doing a lot. Churches can look like they're doing much in this world. There's a lot of activity going on. But that isn't necessarily the indicator The indicator is, are people getting saved? Are people being baptized? Is God's word being preached with all truthfulness, without compromise? Is God moving among our congregation? Is healing taking place, as Jonathan spoke about last week? And the reason why people are missing God, not church, but missing God, is because they've forgotten the basics. You know, it was Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, I know John Lazarsic will love this one, but he was a great coach, and his team was just blowing it. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. He walks in, and he says, we need to get back to the basics. He lifts up a football, and he says, this is a football. And sometimes we need to do that in the church. We need to come, and we need to say, this is prayer. This is prayer. We grow deeper. We grow broader, but we could never depart our communion with the Lord. So Luke chapter 2, verse 36, we'll read verse 36 through 38. It says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. We would say day and night, but the Jewish culture, they begin their day at night. So worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night, or in the Jewish culture, as the Word of God says, night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you for your word once again. It is true. No one can deny that. 
It is absolute truth. It's never been disproven. It's only been fortified through the years. And Lord, as we speak on this passage this morning, as I speak, that I would be led by your spirit, Lord, that I would not be confined to just what I've studied, but Lord, be open to your freedom, to the freedom that comes in the spirit. I don't know the hearts here today, Lord, I, I don't. And none of us do, but you do. You know the heart. You know every fiber and fabric of our being. And today I pray that you would move in your people, Lord, as we have showed up, not just to sing and pray, but to have an encounter with the living God. So do that today, Lord. And when we pray that, we know you don't disappoint. In Jesus' name, amen. We know that the birth of Jesus Christ was a magnificent event because it was God breaking into humanity. In fact, the greatest events that ever took place in this world are connected to God's redemptive purposes in Jesus Christ. And there was that moment where God was breaking into humanity, where God became flesh and blood, that in the person of Jesus Christ, we have the Messiah that God had promised of the Old Testament. He had made that promise to the Jews. He had talked about where he would be born in a town in Bethlehem in an obscure manger. And there were witnesses to that. And as we get into Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, after the birth of Jesus Christ, we also see that there were witnesses involved. Because in the Jewish culture, everything had to be established by two or three witnesses. And when the Messiah was coming into this world, it was a magnificent event because it was fulfilling the prophecy of the Messiah and the anticipation of the Jewish people where they had been under the thumb of Rome for so long, where they had been under oppression for so long, where they had experienced the disciplinary hand of God by being scattered throughout the world to the four corners of the world. And there was still this anticipation. There was still this hope that the Messiah would show up. But when Jesus showed up, it had to be established by two or three witnesses. And so beginning in Luke chapter 2, in verse 22, we see where Jesus is being presented at the temple. And his parents bring him to the temple to present him before God, as was the custom of the Jews. And God uses two witnesses at this time to declare the identity of Jesus Christ. One was the priest Simeon, the one who did the presentation. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says that he was a righteous and devout man. And he testifies as a witness to who Christ is in verses 29 to 32. He talks about him being even the light to the Gentiles, but he was a devout and just man. When God chooses people for significant events, he chooses his servants that are devout and his servants that are just. It's not like the fantasy football when the men gather into the fellowship hall, they're going to have their list there of all the players and everything else. And when they begin to choose players, you know, 
I'm going to choose Derek Henry, or I'm going to choose Kelsey, the tight end for Kansas City. I'm going to choose these, and they go on stats, but none of us sit there and go, gee, does Derek Henry go to church? Does Derrick Henry, is he a righteous man? Has he ever been involved in a scandal? In fact, a lot of your star athletes today are constantly making the headlines for scandals. But God chooses his people with a different criteria. He chooses his servants in significant events, those who are seeking him, those who are devout, and those who are just. The second witness is intriguing to me because the witness that identifies who Christ is in the temple is the passage that we read. It is the person Anna, a woman. Think about that for a minute because in the Jewish culture, women's words weren't taken really with the highest esteem. It would be maybe in today's courts if you called a woman to be a testimony or to testify to the truth of something, people would say, ah, you know, she's a woman. I don't know if I can trust that. But God chooses a woman, and he's always used women in the Bible. We know that the leadership of the church is to be with men, but it does not dismiss the fact that God has always used women. And in this significant event of identifying who Jesus Christ is, the Messiah that God promised, he uses Anna. And so we look at Anna and we see that she's a God seeker. I think that's the thing that intrigued me most when I was thinking about this series of prayer and we started talking about this, Chris and I, and we're thinking about this series on prayer. Anna is one of the ones that came to my mind, believe it or not, she was at the top of my list because she is a woman that's in the Bible that truly understood the importance of what it meant to seek God and the way to seek God and the way to hear from God and the way to gain divine insight from God. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 8, it says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Anna knew the way into the presence of God. I mean, why would we even pray, you guys? Why would we even talk about prayer if we weren't talking about entering into the presence of God? Think about it. That would just be a waste of time. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about Christ in my office and how it was Jesus who said, not a pastor, not a prophet, it was Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means every Buddhist that's out there praying, it's a waste of time. That means that every Muslim that's out there praying, it is a waste of time because they cannot get into the presence of God except through the person of Jesus Christ. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Seek his presence continually. And that's what Anna is. She is a person that knew what prayer and fasting was. She knew that it was the primary means to the presence of God, to hearing his voice. And now she is a part of some significant event. It's like those guys that are in Las Vegas that are always gambling and they're hoping to hit the jackpot. You know, they're putting coins in. Maybe they're going to hit the jackpot, maybe they're not. But Anna knew that she was going to hit the jackpot because she knew that her prayer and her fasting was not in vain. That she knew the many hours that she spent 
seeking the Lord was going to pay off big for her. And it did throughout her entire life, I'm sure of it. But this is a magnificent scene where she is actually a witness of the person of Jesus Christ as he's being presented in the temple. And this didn't happen by accident. When you look at that verse 38, it says, at that very hour, at that very hour, in the Greek it can be translated, and some translations translate it this way, at that very moment, at that very moment, that's what we Christians call divine appointment. She just didn't happen to stumble upon this in God's divine wisdom and in his plan of the day and the hour that Jesus would be presented, she was going to be there and God was going to make sure of that. And so this was no accident. And as we go into today's message, I want to focus really on her dedication to the Lord. In fact, you can split those three verses into two parts if you want. You can split it into the identification of Anna and the dedication of Anna the identification of Anna, and the dedication of Anna. And the first thing I want to talk about, really, in a short manner, is her identification, because I think it's so significant that we understand who God is using here at this time. And I think it's important that the words of God are not wasted, even though there isn't a whole lot in the Scripture said about her, like maybe David, or maybe Isaiah, or maybe Jeremiah, or maybe the Apostle Paul or Peter. There may not be much said about her, but what's said about her is very significant and speaks to all of us. It says, first of all, as we talk about her identification, that her name is Anna. Her name is Anna. That is the equivalent of the Hebrew word Hannah, or the Hebrew name Hannah. Now, when we speak of Hannah in the Old Testament, there's one that comes to mind, isn't there? There's Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. We see where Hannah was also a woman of prayer, a woman of faith, a woman who trusted God and who was barren and desired children so much, she never gave up on God. She believed that God could open up her barren womb, and when God did it, he gave her one of the greatest prophets of Israel, the prophet Samuel. And so when we look at Hannah, I, I find it marvelous, the connections in Scripture. We're looking at Anna, but man, you think Hebrew Hannah? There was another godly woman named Hannah, or Anna, the Hebrew equivalent in the Old Testament. By the way, her name means grace. Her name means grace. And when you look at her life and you look at Hannah's life in the Old Testament, you see her showered with the grace of God. In fact, I pray for that for our congregation. I pray, God, one of my primary prayers is, God, would you shower our congregation with your grace? May they wake up this morning, if I'm praying on a Monday morning, that they would be showered in your grace, in your grace today. Well, Anna was a woman who experienced the grace of God, and I can't help but think that she experienced the grace of God to such depth that this was her response to God, that this was her response to God. It's not only says her name, but it tells us that Anna was a prophetess. Anna was a prophetess. Now, prophets were people of God that God used to give out his word to his people. 
Now, when we think of a prophet, we think of them on two levels. We think of foretellers and we think of foretellers, that God's prophets were used at times to foretell or predict what God was going to do in the future. He revealed, in fact, Amos says he does nothing without revealing his plans to his prophets. And so he revealed like the coming of Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah and Jeremiah would prophesy in the future. Haggai prophesying in the future. The prophets would look down the corridor of time in the spirit and they would pin what God had put on their hearts. So there was that aspect of foretelling. But when we speak of a prophet, it wasn't just foretelling the future. In fact, 95% of a prophet's ministry was calling the people of God back to the covenant of God. It was when God's people drifted and got so entrenched in such quicksand with sin that the prophets would come and try and shake them out of it. They would give strong words and they would see the people where they were headed and they did everything they could to stand in the gap and to pray and to preach God's word. And Anna was a prophetess that, I don't know, doesn't record that she predicted anything in the future, but we know at least that she was one of those that was giving out God's word. Now, in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that when the Holy Spirit was poured out in verses 16 to 17, it's a fulfillment of what the prophet Joel spoke. And that he made it clear that the fulfillment of Joel happened on the day of Pentecost. And in verses 16 and 17 of Acts chapter 2, it says, but this was what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So we know at the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was poured out and God was going to raise up prophets and prophetesses. But prior to that, when Anna is mentioned here in the temple, there was only maybe four or five prophetesses ever mentioned in the scriptures. And she is one of those. She is one of the few that made the cut that was declared a prophetess. I think it's Revelation chapter 2 where the prophetess Jezebel, she was leading the people into sexual immorality. And it says that one who calls herself a prophetess. See, there's a difference when people begin to declare, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophetess. But when others see it and acknowledge it and confirm it, then that's a different story. Well, this is confirmed in the word of God that Anna was a prophetess. Prior to God's spirit being poured out, you saw Miriam was the first one in Exodus chapter 15. And he had several others after that, and that was it. And yet she was in tune with God that much that God used her in that capacity she is further identified as the daughter of Fanwell. Now, the name Fanwell means the face of God. As we've talked about before, names in the Bible were significant. It wasn't just, you know, hey, that's a cool name. I'm going to name my baby that. That when people were given names in the Bible, it usually was characteristic of who that person was. That's why Abram. His name was changed to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. And so we see how Saul to Paul, 
and we see how significant that names are in the Bible, and they were usually characteristic of what that person was. So this tells me probably, 99% sure, that Anna was raised with a father who loved God. That his name being Fanuel, meaning the face of God, that when Anna was growing up, she saw what God was like. She saw the love, how God would love. She saw how God would give compassion. She saw him living out the word of God. And so when we look at Fanuel, we're looking at Anna being raised under a man who understood what it meant to represent God to his children. Men, you have to be Fanuels. You have to be the face of God to your children. When they're growing up, they have to see God in you. They have to see Christ in you. If you're at home and you're bringing them to church, you're doing a disservice if you get home and you're not showing them what God looks like. And you have that opportunity. That's the beautiful thing. You have that decision to make. When you walk out of here today and you pick up your kids from children's church and you drive to lunch and everything else, what do you talk about? Besides fantasy football stats. Hopefully the men who know the stats in fantasy football know more scriptures than the stats. Amen? Amen? So we have that opportunity as men because the statistics also show the studies today. Studies show that children are more apt to look at their father and to follow their father as an example. That's why when you have fatherless homes, you have over 70% or over 80% in prison. That's how important the father is. And as we look to our children, we're supposed to represent who God is. You know why Anna was so faithful throughout her life? Because she had a father who represented God to her. It started when she was little. It started before she was walking. The presence of God was there. He represented her. It not only says that she is the daughter of Fanuel, she is further identified as a widow, advanced in years. In Luke 1, when the angel Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and says, hey, your wife is going to give birth. And he's like, wait a minute. My wife's going to give birth. I'm an old man. And that same phrase is used. My wife is advanced in years. Same exact phrase there. Why is that? Because God uses older people. He uses that, and you know, you look at something like a miracle of Elizabeth giving birth to John the Baptist, and here's Zechariah saying, man, and this is a man of God. This is a man of God. I mean, he's a priest. He happened to be in the temple that time. Gabriel shows up, and as Gabriel shows up, he's cluing him in on the time, and I mean, you would think at least he would recognize, man, this is an angel. He had to announce himself, and then after that, he tells him, you know, your wife, is going to get, and you're going to call him John. Well, how can that be? She's advanced in years. Well, God does that a lot of times because he wants to make sure that no flesh gets the glory. He does that oftentimes, uses the least likely people. I mean, she's not just a widow, one of the, the least in society, right? When you read the Old Testament, you see over and over again how the church, God's people, is supposed to take care of the widows. Why? 
Because in that culture at that time, they were the most susceptible and the most vulnerable to people preying on them. So it was widows and orphans constantly. Widows, orphans, foreigners constantly over and over again. In fact, Isaiah brings a word against the people in chapter 1 of Isaiah. And he's hitting them on injustice. And one of the things he brings up is their treatment of widows. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.